Welcome to Vatic Mental Health and Media. I'm Rachel. This is Sedona. Tell me about you. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, do you want to take this one? Sure. Well, You is a um, series on Netflix. They have two seasons out right now. Um, and it focuses on this main character named Joe, who you find out is a serial killer and most likely a psychopath. And um, he has a habit of finding a woman to stalk and make it seem like he just is running into her in life and they fall in love and she inevitably gets wind of some of the shadier stuff he's done in his life and some of the people he has murdered and that he ends up murdering them that's kind of his pattern that's basically the story of the first season and then in the second season there's a twist because the woman that he stalks was actually also stalking him and they're kind of the same person so yeah that's it the show has a lot of interesting themes but it it focuses a lot on perception i guess and delusion because the show you watch what's happening but it's narrated by joe who is obviously an unreliable narrator so that's interesting because you hear his thought process and how he's trying to rationalize his actions and how he's trying to um, believe he's still a good person and in many ways kind of does believe that still and like as a viewer it's tempting to get sucked into that and to feel bad for him especially when you see his backstory but at the same time he's literally a, a murderer and doesn't seem like that good of a person so it plays on narration and ideas of like perception and delusion like I said but it also I think touches really strongly on the fact that no person is all good and all bad and that there's if you think someone's good you're eventually going to find something bad about them and vice versa and that's kind of how it is with Joe and as a viewer you're just kind of bouncing back and forth between liking him and hating him and and wanting him to get better and wanting him to get caught and it's very interesting. I really like Joe. You like Joe? I did. Like I know there are elements of it where I'm just like, there are elements where we're just kind of like a, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but yeah. overall, it was, um, and I think like you was very hard for me to watch, especially the first season, because albeit while I was never a serial stalker, murderer, or anything like that, but even thinking... Like, just the level of planning that he did and how much he tried to, like, make something work. I'm thinking back to, especially season one with, what was the woman in season one name? Beck. Her name's Beck. Beck. I mean, like, with him and Beck, where as he's kind of just, like, walking, shirking her through her apartment and just doing, gathering all the data for, like, weeks or months before he ever even meets her, it's very clear that these are two completely different people. And as well as just, like, I can't even imagine just, like, watching somebody, literally watching somebody sleep with so many random people who are not like you. It's okay. I'll wait. I'm sure I'm better than that guy. 
but at the same time, I get thinking back to like with myself, just that level of, I got to make this work, even though this doesn't make any sense. Mm. And thankfully, I grew out of that, <laughs> and I was never that level of master plotter that Joe was. Was like, okay, I see where he's coming from. So you related to his fantasy um, life. Yours just wasn't as like violent and destructive. Yeah, I think there's like the relation, and then I'm even just thinking with the um, what's it called? For me, I almost interpreted as a you should be kind and loving to everyone because you never know if they're going to lock you in a basement. Because <laughs> um, like, like at the end of like, because I get, I know like people are like, oh no, what I know Joe did was bad. Do not go out and, like, kill your ex-girlfriends forever. That's bad for all the listeners out there. However, at the end of season one, the message I'm getting here is don't be a hoe. Because <laughs> I feel like there's so much stuff that Beck did that was equally manipulative and shady. And especially at the beginning of the relationship, she doesn't know this guy very well. And yes, so me, maybe just paranoia. But I take extra caution with people I just meet and strangers. I feel like I should be kind and treat everyone with love like they're a human being because you don't know where people's breaking points are and i don't want to get locked in the basement and or murdered that's just not how i want to go down um i feel like the show is obviously don't be joe but also don't be back either i think when kind of going off of that i think that none of the characters like the main characters like joe or Beck, they're both problematic in their own ways like you can't fully root for one versus the other. And obviously, I think Joe is a little bit more problematic due to the murdering of people. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think it was very interesting to like see that there's like all of these layers of all of these different people and you don't truly know someone, like you said, based off of your first interaction or first perception of them. And I think for the show, too, I think Joe kind of talked about that at the start of season two. He's like, I need to stop fantasizing about the perfect, like, this version of a woman that's not that actual person. And so I think due to Joe's kind of, like, maladaptive thought patterns, he fixates and tries to make the perfect relationship with the perfect person and not everyone is perfect and the relationship isn't going to be able to be that perfect little box that you want. Yeah, you're right. And I think kind of like what Vaughn was saying earlier, that's one of the more relatable parts of the show is that I think everyone has fantasized and everyone has seen someone, especially like someone they're interested in romantically I think everyone has seen someone like that as not quite who they are. And I think it's, um, for most people, it's not as uh, intense as it is for Joe. But that's still, I think, part of the human condition is to want to only see someone's good parts and to ignore flaws. And um, something that, so the, the woman in season two, her name is Love. And something that she says in the very last episode when she's basically telling Joe that they're the same and he missed it all along, she says something like, I was really seeing you the whole time and you were only seeing what you wanted to see in me. 
And I thought that was really powerful and relatable. And I think most people have had an experience where they, even like with a parent, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship where they put someone on a pedestal. And at some point you learn information and it just kind of comes crashing down. And I think it's very common for people to see what they want to see and to see what makes kind of their own internal monologue and the way they want to live their life to see what makes that seem possible versus seeing people with all of their flaws and all the good parts. Cause Joe saw love as this like perfect person and um, she super wasn't. <laughs> she was like actually way worse than we even thought as the audience. So I thought that was really interesting. But at the end of the day, she just wanted to be seen for who she was, which paralleled how Joe wanted Beck to see him for who he was. And whole conversation, I feel, hits so hard because like when I started season two, I'm like, there's so many red flags to this woman. We're not going to address them. Okay, maybe it's just her personality. It's fiction. I won't read too much into mm-hmm. it. <laughs> the conversation at the end ends up with it being like, bro, I've been waving my red flag since episode one. Mm-hmm. You just keep wanting to see me as perfect. And I think what I think is really interesting is that with both Love and Beck, Joe resents them at the end of the seasons for reasons X, Y, and Z. But those reasons were clearly visible with the very first conversation. And they were definitely visible the week she stalked them before they ever met and hooked up. Um, like he's upset with Beck for cheating, but he knew that was in her personality type from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he turns into this, how dare you hide this from me? But she's like, bro, I never hid anything. Yeah. And how common is that specific example you gave? Like someone will, I mean, no no shade no judgment to anyone who does this but i think it's it happens quite often where someone starts dating someone because they were the person that the other one was cheated on i'm gonna start over i think it is quite common um where someone will become the boyfriend or the girlfriend after they were the one that was I don't how do you, how do I phrase this? So you're saying like the um the mistress like the side the side, yeah. chick, side or the side yeah. dude yes. will level up to boyfriend after the yes. original partner. Thank you. Yes, I think yes. What I'm saying I think is common is when there are relationships that start with someone going from the side chick or side dude <laughs> to the main one, then they get cheated on later by the partner. And that's obviously very upsetting and rightfully so. But at the same time, you could have seen it coming if you wanted to. And um, I mean, that's what happens with Joe and Beck. And he saw it coming, should have seen it coming probably more than any normal person. But I think that's a really common example of just not wanting to see the bad parts because you want it to work or because you want it to match your fantasies. But in hindsight, it's easy to be upset about it, even though the signs were there the whole time. Yeah. And it's funny, too, kind of thinking about what you're talking about, like, seeing the sign, people don't change. I feel like that's a theme kind of in season one especially with, like, the whole, like, storyline of, like, Ron and Claudia and Paco. 
where Joe is like multiple times he's like he's Ron's never gonna change he's not gonna change he's not like no matter what happens you know and he's like how come nobody else can see what's going on but me you rewind and give some more detail to Ron Claudia and Paco because it took me like a couple seconds yes So, I think the woman's name was Claudia, wasn't it? Yep. So, Claudia is the next-door neighbor, and she has a son named Paco, and she is in an abusive relationship with this guy named Ron, Um, and then there's also kind of like a storyline with Claudia using substances as well, and Paco is this, the son who Joe befriends and kind of takes under his wing because... Paco is kind of neglected due to this turbulent, abusive relationship with his mom and Ron. Um, And multiple times throughout the season, Claudia tries to kick Ron out, but Ron always comes back and she always like takes him back and is like, oh, this time is going to be different. Oh, it's going to change. And so that's and Joe is like, how come I'm the only one that can see like this isn't going to change like. He's not going to change, you know, no matter what. So that was the backstory to that, kind of. Then I guess into Rachel was saying about perception, which we think is so, so beautifully done at the end, where to Joe's co-workers, it's just like, oh, this is just a responsible guy who runs things. To his adopted father, it's a, this is my son, I'm doing tough love to the <laughs> a thousandths degree um, crossing into abuse. To Paco, Joe is this huge hero, whereas you definitely see that foil, whereas when in, he's about to kill Beck and she's trying to get out, to Paco, it's like, oh, Joe saved me from my abusive stepdad. He has to be good. Mm-hmm. Therefore... You must be the crazy one. Get back in your cage. Which was just like, it's like kind of like, like, which is like, the no one is fully good or fully evil. It's almost like everyone's kind of, you just have to like pick which version or how much of a version of somebody you'd want. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think um, how they showed Paco's perception of Joe was very interesting because um, developmentally, children have a really hard time seeing like the gray area of things. And it's it's pretty common for children to see like their parents as all good or all bad and it's hard to hold those two things when you're young so the fact that Paco was like oh Joe kind of saved my life he has to be good I can't entertain any thoughts of him being anything but good but I assume as Paco would grow up at some point it would kind of hit him that Joe was good and bad and that could cause a little bit of a internal crisis and that um, I know that happened to me with certain family members that I grew up thinking they were one way and then couldn't handle the fact that they were just a human and they were good and bad. And I think that happens a lot in romantic relationships too. And I think that's kind of what happens sometimes when they blow up at the end is like that, that idealistic perception is just kind of blown out of the water from something that finally got through to the other partner and I thought yeah I thought it was interesting that they gave us the child's perspective of Joe too did either of you read the book no, no I want to though it's like I'm 95% sure that um a woman wrote it yeah I think there's yeah it's a woman and there's 
two books. Yeah. And from what I heard, the show deviates quite a bit from the books. Of course. Yeah. But just the basic, I don't know, it's weird where it's almost like there's just some things where you just know off the top of your head, oh, a woman wrote this. <laughs> and like, there's not like anything very explicit that I can even trace to it, but there's just whether it's live act, anime or whatever, it's just kind of like you can just immediately tell. Mm. And I've never been wrong with those. Whereas like <laughs> with other stuff, it's like it could have gone either way. It's probably you do. Mm. You think that's because of how the women characters are written? Do you think they're... I think so. They have more depth when it's written by a woman? I think more depth in a lot of the issues, I feel like there's far more egalitarianism and equality within how the characters are presented. Um, mm. And like with you think even just like how well done the even just depiction of stalking was done in you was mm -hmm. like okay this is probably from somebody not so much saying like oh this is someone who's been stalked but somebody who at least relates to likely to relate to that world as well as just the equality of like beck's issues and joe's issues kind of like again like not equaling out because joe killed people but like when I've seen men try to write something like that, it's usually the woman is like this untouchable saint in comparison. I guess try to like make up for the sins of the patriarchy. Let me just write this woman as perfect. Um, mm -hmm. And in exchange, she's not really a person. I don't know. I need to like have to take a whole like empirical study to try it. I don't even know how you would research that, but it was just an interesting thing. I was like, oh. Yeah, I think you're right in a lot of ways. And I something I appreciated about the show is that no character is portrayed as perfect. And I think it it can make it more confusing, I guess. Um, because you can't just have like a good character and a bad character. But I think that's like getting at the show writers and probably the author's whole point of like, no one is really what they seem and also no one is all good or all bad so like joe isn't all bad but beck isn't all good and same in season two love is actually not that good at all um yeah do you have any thoughts sedona no i agree um like I said earlier, I think that's something I really liked about the show is just like the nuances of the character and that like even a character that like you were like rooting for or you thought was like this great person, like some piece of information comes out and you're like, damn, that was really shitty. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. um, but I almost like TV shows like that or books or really anything because I feel like it more portrays, like, what the real world is like as opposed to these, like, idealized type of people that a lot of people will put into shows or movies that are, like, all good and all bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was kind of the unnerving thing, too. And, like, Vaughn was saying, like, you end up kind of liking Joe even though you really don't want to, because, like, 
you hear you his thoughts his humanity and his yeah. humanity and he's like oh i shouldn't do this i'm not a killer and then he does it and you're like what the hell like and so i think just like hear hearing the thoughts i think was like a really eerie kind of thing and like watching it from his perspective and just also seeing like things a little bit from the other character's perspective as well. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm flashing back to um our family counseling class, where um one of the videos we had to watch was with this one family, and the dad. From this the beginning of the video of the clip we saw, you just seem like this douchebag stepdad figure of like, oh, I don't want anything to do with her kids. Um, all I care about is my biological daughter. And um, she just needs to get a job. Like, well, you're not working either. Like, she needs to. Work. So I was just like, oh, I hate this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then our professor, the Honorable Doctor Corsell, kind of called me out and was just like, Hey, like, always try to find the pain. Where obviously a very angry antagonistic person isn't justified, but you can at least comprehend why there is usually always some type of hurt or there's always some type of pain behind the action kind of when i framed it that way i was like okay i can actually not see myself getting along with that guy but i could at least see myself be able to have conversations and it's like okay i get you i don't agree but i get you sir and kind of doing that with joe where it's like behind every all of his misdeeds and violence was just this terror of isolation and being alone or there was this misguided sense of justice in a i must protect you or else something terrible is going to happen to you and within that he ended up being the something terrible <laughs> but um it was interesting to seeing that how he's like nobody no criminal kind of sets off with this. I want to be villainy and evil, but it's kind of a. I think that like what Sonia said, hearing his thoughts and hearing why he was doing everything. Like if, if like the show is from either the woman's point of view, is he would just be like this crazy sociopath. But like seeing him, it's like okay, you want to protect the people you love, and you're terrified of being alone. This is how you did it completely wrong. But it, yeah, you're right. It's like, it seated you firmly in that gray area of like, I want to give you a hug, but also send you to jail. Yeah. And I think, I think the show does a really good job at playing on that idea of um, like, not all behavior is acceptable or okay, but it's usually understandable. If you look at someone's pain and you look at someone's humanity and Again, that doesn't make something like stalking or murdering justifiable or good or even like permissible. But if you look at who Joe is, you can see how he got there and you can feel some compassion for what he has gone through, even though you don't agree with what he's doing with that pain. And I think as therapists in training, like Vaughn said, that's really important for us to understand because we're going to have people sit across from us who we really disagree with their choices, but we won't be any help to them, and we won't even be able to help them make different choices if we don't see who they really are and the pain that they're experiencing. And 
I think it's a good lesson for everyone too, because it can be really easy to just judge people for their actions. And sometimes that is important to hold people accountable for their actions. But um, I think if you're safe, obviously this is a very complicated issue, but ultimately if there's safety for you enough to converse with someone, then I think it's valuable to hear where they're coming from. And while still holding what they do, that's unacceptable. And finding a way to have both those things be true in your head. Because that's that's what a, a human being is. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think it highlights the importance of like not judging a certain person based off of like all of these shitty actions, but trying to, like you said, understand like where it's coming from because all behavior comes from somewhere. Um, I read, I was reading an article about like, oh, what would people diagnose Joe with based on like his presentation in the show? And it was like in the first season, you're like, oh, he's a narcissist, antisocial, you know, he's really this like, kind of big bad scary guy um but mm-hmm. then throughout season two when you're getting more flashbacks of like his childhood and kind of like the trauma and all of the things that he went through and how those feed into what he's doing now it's like oh you get kind of a completely different picture of him and the article was like oh you could even say he has like some sort of like maladaptive attachment disorder based on, like, his relationship with his mom when he was a kid and then growing up with that and not knowing how to make positive attachments or relationships with everyone. And then that kind of, like, when you think about that and then reflect back on everything in season one, it kind of makes a little bit more sense and adds, like, a little bit more layers to his behaviors just thinking from a completely different standpoint of what even would you diagnose him with? Like, yeah, the insecure attachment, that was been my go-to for him. Um, And it also just kind of goes to show just how, unlike the medical field, um, how psychological diagnosis is almost rarely like a static thing, but more so just a convenience for sake mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. conducting, okay, just for a convenience guidelines for conducting interventions and giving medications, but it's not like, oh, you have cancer because we can see X, Y, and Z, end of story. Um, and it's just a, when you have just like a late, a convenience label, you can have such variability in both how you see somebody, um, how you treat them and it etc. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Vaughn. Like in the therapy field, mental health counseling field, you're not like marrying someone to their diagnosis. You're hoping that it'll fade and maybe even go away as they work through things um and that i mean that's not always the case like with personality disorders it's part of someone's personality so you're just trying to help them manage it better and and enjoy their life better and 
live better. But at the end of the day, it's not about like putting a label on someone for the sake of letting them like crumble beneath it. It's more so informing treatment and like giving the therapist a way to figure out how to help them cope better and live in a more fulfilling way. Oh, another fun takeaway. Don't sleep with mm-hmm. your clients. Yes. yes. Yeah, you Dr. could get Nikki murdered by their ex. <laughs> yeah, don't sleep with your clients. PSA. I thought that was a really... And don't sleep with your therapist. Yeah, that was a really a interesting storyline. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I was that. so mad. <laughs> I know. Because, like, I really like Dr. Nikki. And he's, like, one of the first TV therapists where I've seen and gone, whoa, I really like what this guy's doing. Yeah, and it's like, and he's played by John Stamos. And they built everything up just, like, to make it seem like Joe was just losing his mind. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, he was screwing her. Oh, man. I know. I know. No character is perfect in that show, huh? No, I even wrote some notes because I was like, ooh, Dr. Nikki, I like your metaphors, but I don't like what you're doing, man. (laughs) Don't sleep. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was so interesting that from our perspective, it just seemed like Joe being like overprotective, but he was right the whole time. And that plays on that idea of perception again of like, we want to see the, like, the therapist as we see him in sessions is really great. So we want to see him as a good person and everyone generally is aware you're not supposed to sleep with clients. So like, we just want to see him for what he is. And Joe is the one the whole time who sees what's actually going on. And And I'm curious too, because like how, I don't think Joe would have known Or, like, would have caught on as fast if he hadn't been cheated on before. Mm, You think that's why he... I think that's why he, Picked up on the signs. Immediately, like, jumped on. Mm. Oh, she's Mm. sleeping with her therapist. Mm. Um, Which was interesting. Like, that's what made me almost appreciate Joe more towards the end. Because I was in this really moral bind of, like... Stalking people and snooping through phones is wrong, but mm-hmm. but on the surface level, everything was great. Beck was loyal. Doctor Nikki was following ethical guidelines and keeping it in his pants. Right. <laughs> but because Joe was primed to be so over the top, because he was snooping and stalking, he found out. Whoa, Beck is cheating on me. Then ended the relationship, amongst other things. Which were bad. I feel like I have to keep saying that because somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, those <laughs> almost therapists said I could kill somebody." I was like, no, no, no. So that puts me in this spot where I don't agree with any of Joe's stuff, but it's like a ends justify means. I don't know, because like I was at this epitome of I don't know how I should feel. Should I be like, "Yeah, you go for stalking and finding out you're right, and she was a cheater." But there's so many cases where that behavior is completely unwarranted. And it's like in soccer, we can have that crazy backflip. But if you miss the ball, you just look like an idiot. But if you do hit the ball, then you're a hero. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, Vaughn. Like in the beginning, we 
don't like Joe for stalking Beck because it's creepy and unwarranted. But then once we find out that she is cheating on him, you're not really mad that he was doing stalking behavior to figure that out. And But at the same time, it's the same behavior. He's doing the same thing. He is the same person. He's being very consistent. But how we react to it changes. And I think that's the same with people in our lives, right? Like, even between people, like, someone you have a very positive opinion of can probably get away with more than someone you already have a negative opinion of. And it just goes back to perception, which is all I've said this entire episode. But what, I mean, Vaughn said, like, the ends justify the means. And I don't think that's, like, a universal truth, but that is a tendency as far as how we think and I think it's fascinating that because Joe was having was being hurt and because he was being treated unfairly it's a lot easier to just like dismiss his not so great behavior but when it didn't seem like it was for a very good reason it's harder to accept it like um I just saw a 30-minute documentary on, um, I just saw a 30-minute documentary on the song It Wasn't Me by Shaggy, um, <laughs> and it was, what was just incredible about it was just from the time they wrote the song, he was doing very well all around the world, but not in the U.S., and then the producer, the manager, everyone was like, oh, this song is trash, it's not going anywhere. And then some random agent guy walked into the studio and he heard it as it like the last couple bars. So like, whoa, I love this song. We need to put it on. And then that guy's career was on the line. And there was like, oh, because you backed this song and this guy who's trash, we're probably going to fire you. And the entire year of them finishing that song, it was just random coincidences. Like some guy in Hawaii illegally downloaded it and played it on a tiny radio station and then it just blew up in Hawaii and then everybody else wanted it and then at that stage the um the labels and agents and stuff like oh this is brilliant um great job doing something new guys but if it had just if it had hadn't started off in Hawaii and it had been like east coast and it had just flopped then they would have just been seen as, wow, why couldn't you guys got in with the system? Why did you break all the rules and do all that kind of stuff? And it was just that kind of one of those everyone's bound to their own conscience. And it's kind of just seeing the social ramifications of whether or not your conscience will be justified. That's interesting. I didn't know that story. Neither did I. I was like, whoa, this is like... <laughs> 30 minutes that I do not need. This is going to be just like a waste of time, but I'm here. I have nothing else to do. And then like 15 minutes in, I'm just like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. I definitely needed this information. And now you're using it today. Look at that. Yo. <laughs> I was speaking of conscience. I feel like Dr. Nikki was probably one of like the only redeemed characters in a way. What do you mean by that? Do you mean... Because in season I'm thinking two, of like in season two, yeah, where when Forty mm-hmm. Love, aka 
um, girlfriend number two's brother, when he comes to see Dr. Nikki in jail, mm -hmm. and they have all the proof they need to get Dr. Dr. Nikki out of jail, he refuses to testify against Joe, and his reaction is pretty much a, I've lost my wife, I've lost my kids, I've lost my license, there really isn't anything else for me mm -hmm. in the outside world. Um, and it wasn't just from my recollection of that scene, it wasn't just a sense of self-pity, but just a, an acceptance of this is what I've done, this is kind of what I deserve, this is my new home now, yeah. I want to make the best of it. Um, and that level of acceptance that Joe was never able to come to yes. in any of his relationships yeah. or um, locations. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I think... Um, in season two, especially, you see Joe trying to get to acceptance. Like, there's that point when Candace has locked him in his own cage with Delilah's dead body, and he still believes that he killed her, Delilah. And, um, he is not, it's right before love kills Candace, so he's not yet aware that love actually killed Delilah, and love has been kind of doing his thing the whole time. And, he takes the hidden key that could get him out of the cage and he throws it outside of the cage. And he, his like inner monologue that you hear is kind of about like, this is where I belong. If I did kill Delilah, I should be in this cage. And he's, some of that morality is starting to come through. But at the end of the day, he's still Joe and he still kind of goes along with love at the end. And and you can argue that that's so she doesn't kill him, and maybe that's true. But that level, like Vaughn just said, that level of acceptance that Dr. Nikki has is not something that we've seen Joe achieve, even though it seems like he tried in season two. So I wonder what that is, if that's just like emotional health that can get you to that level of acceptance, or personality like I, I think it's interesting that Dr. Nikki arguably has lost more than Joe and lost it in more unjust ways but he's able to just be like this is my fate this is what happened I don't want to mess with it anymore and Joe is continuing to mess with all of it Sedona do you want to take us home um yeah I guess I don't know how to end things eloquently, but follow your heart. You was definitely an interesting show to watch, and it shows a lot of different behavioral and thought pattern processes of different people, and also highlights a lot of the thing, different psychological things that we highlight we talked about. And so I would recommend it. I don't know if you guys would recommend it, but I would. Uh, definitely. It's like if I was ever a psychologist um, teaching a class, I think I have a list of things that would be like instead of required readings, either required viewings or at least extra credit. And I think Hughes definitely goes on that list just for the label of perception yes i would recommend it too i think it's fascinating and it really makes you think and last but not least because 
we can't not end like this. Vaughn, if Joe was your patient, how would you approach it? <laughs> oh. Our favorite, our favorite segment. Um, My favorite segment. I completely forgot about this segment. Okay. Um, So I think we would definitely want to go a CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or REBT, rational motive behavioral therapy, with just that both catching the... um, thought patterns that might be problematic that are problematic and what behaviors they lead to and then the consequences um and i'll try to kind of get him to a point where he can acknowledge that trying to make everything fit and trying to find the perfect person and going on all these wily coyote level schemes just further complicates and stresses out his own life and keeps bringing him back to a further point of nothingness i think we though i wouldn't diagnose him as antisocial because he still has problems with empathy um almost in a sense of a heroic narcissist kind of way versus just say i don't care about you but like he cares so much and trying to kind of redirect his love and caring and kind of be able to see like they don't want it um, and you're actually being more harmful than good, but that's kind of my general direction I would want to go. I think, like, just from the sessions we saw with him and Dr. Nikki, is like, oh, okay, this would be a good time. I feel there might be a lot of mandated reports, depending on how honest he is, but um, <laughs> in general, I can see it being a good time. Do you have anything to add, Rachel? Um... I think I'd probably go the rational emotive behavioral therapy route also. Um, Just because I think his behavior is so extreme that it it really can't be ignored or put to the side. But I think my main focus or my main goal with him initially, besides getting him to not kill more people, would be to work on his attachment struggles because um like we were saying earlier i think that's the core of all of this and i think if some of those attachment wounds from childhood could be healed some i think he would want to behave differently and i think until he works through that and maybe feels those feelings from his childhood that he had to push down i i don't think he'll change freud would be proud yeah Yeah. What about you, Sedona? I second a lot of that. Um, I think, like, along, like, the CBT route, too, just, like, reframing how he views certain messages that he heard when he was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, We see those kind of in flashbacks with him, like, oh, some people deserve to die. Um, And he takes that quite literally and as, like, a justification for his killing. Mm -hmm. Whereas instead of being, like, instead of completely erasing those messages, just having him think, like, some people deserve to die, but maybe you're not the judge of that. And kind of just, like, reframing and restructuring in a way to get him to 
not be on the extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think also with like the attachment issues and focusing on his need to kind of control others and control every little thing to make it perfect mm-hmm. would be important. But yeah. Oh. Very good. Any final thoughts? I think that is all, and we will be back next week. Never.